Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Haley. Hi, welcome to episode nine of the Mindfully Well podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I am currently sitting in my bedroom. It's kind of a mess. I've been cleaning all day, um, just getting the house organized. I'm feeling very, um, like I need to tidy up. (laughs) I think it's the daylight savings and the winter darkness coming. It's been getting dark at like 5 p.m. here, maybe a little bit earlier. It's going to be getting darker, earlier, faster. So yeah, I'm just feeling like super cozy and settled into home. So with that thought, I I thought that this episode would be a good one to talk about my personal goals and intentions that I set for 2019 and share how it's all been going for me. So as an overview, I set annual, monthly, and kind of weekly intentions. These aren't, they're not like goals or things that I have to get done, right? They're actions that I'm focusing on in order to feel the way that I want to feel and also, yes, get some stuff done that I need to get done. But ultimately, everything that I'm choosing to set my aim on is making me a better person, helping me grow, helping me have more impact in the world and in my life. So it's not to say like I'm setting all these goals just to do stuff. Um, They're really heart-centered intentions that I like to focus on. And I I love planning and thinking and plotting stuff out. I'm a very organized type of person in a weird way. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that if you saw me cleaning my house today and how insanely chaotic my closet got and like dresser drawers and our little junk storage closet was just overflowing. Like we're not really organized people, Chandler and me, but there's like, there's a madness and not a madness. What do they say? There's an order to the chaos. That's what I mean. There's like an order to all of the chaos and it like flows and it works really well. But from cleaning, like I said, I thought it'd be cool to share some of my like overall intentions because they go really well with what I'm working toward. So basically, as a little overview, um, I mentioned this in a few episodes prior. Um, The episode, Three Books That Changed My Life, I mentioned Danielle Laporte's book, The Desire Map, which everyone should go get. If you want to approach your goals and intentions in a different way, like based on the way you feel, the desire map is for you. It's a beautiful, wonderful guide, workbook. It's it's just beautiful. And Danielle Laporte is an amazing person. So basically, I use the desire map every year to set forth what I'm wanting and desiring and aiming for. And at the beginning of this year, I sat down and I was working through des- through the desire map Um, We were off the grid, so we were in a little, like, a little cabin in the woods that had no electricity, no water, like, completely unplugged. And that's how we started the last two New Year's, I believe. Yeah. So it's just a really, like, stewy place to be. You're kind of, like, cuddled up by a fire and you have no distractions. You can just dig into all of your heart's desires. So that's what I did this year. Um, I laid down, sat down, whatever the case may be, and dug into what I wanted. So this process basically helps me understand how I want to feel, what I want to do in certain areas of my life. So Danielle Laporte has a nice way of breaking up like the different categories of life. And it's like livelihood and lifestyle, your health, your relationships, your spirituality, your creativity. I think that's, I think that's all five of them. But so you don't just start dumping all of your thoughts and desires onto a piece of paper, but you categorize them 
so that you can start to see what's falling where and like where you're focused on right it's it's hard to explain without like pointing and writing stuff out um it's interesting doing this podcast because I'm actually a really visual learner like I have to like write stuff in order to process it and I have to like see it on paper so it's hard for me to kind of talk through some of this stuff because I'm just talking through this stuff and I want to show you all like pictures and books and graphs and write it down and scribble and you can't do that on a podcast so the different medium is fun and weird for me but what I'm getting to is you write all of the different headers, the different categories out on paper, and then you start to like organize your thoughts. So it's a nice way to, well, organize your thoughts, but also get clear on what you want and why. So I went through that process. Um, This actually isn't my, this episode here is not my 2019 reflection, and I've not done that yet. I'll share a little bit more about that in the end. But this is just kind of an overview based off of cleaning my house and this idea popping up about my yearly intentions. So after I went through the desire map process, I honed in on a few core desired feelings that I wanted to focus on. And core desired feelings are basically how you want to feel every day. So it's not what you want to do every day, but it's how do you want to feel? And then based on those feelings you decide what you're going to do in order to feel that way. So it's like flipping your goals into do's on their head. You start with how you want to feel, and then you do those things. And this helps you get closer to a more desire-driven life, I think. So this year, and I don't, I honestly, I don't typically share my core desired feelings with the world or anyone. I share a lot of everything with my best friend, Christina, but... I don't typically, like, publicize or tell the world, like, these are my core desired feelings because they're really personal and intimate and, you know, they're custom to me, right? So they don't have the same meaning to anyone else that they do to me. But for the purpose of what I'm sharing today, I'm going to share mine with you. And this year, I hashed it all out on paper, wrote for pages, did the whole thing, desire mapped, and I came up with this year I wanted to feel intentional, fearless, resilient, and deeply connected. So I've been doing desire mapping now since 2014, I think. It's like five or six years, and every year, every six months, I kind of like reevaluate my core desired feelings I recalibrate based on what's happening, how I'm feeling. And earlier this year, I actually started like adding in some other words that felt really good. So I'm going to incorporate those into my 2020 desire mapping process and see like what they feel like then. But I noticed that I started wanting to feel other things like halfway through the year. And anyway, so it's a very fluid, flexible process. And custom to who you are and how you want to feel. So those are my core desired feelings for now. Um, From that, which this is the meat of this episode, is I came up with my 2019 intentions. So these are my intentions and goals. And I hadn't really done this before. So the past few years, I was like, here are my core desired feelings. Here are some big things I'm going to do in each category of lifestyle, livelihood, relationships, health, creativity, etc. And I just kind of laid it all out. And then I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't get a lot done because I feel like I've grown exponentially every year over year. And looking at my old journals and my old planners and like seeing the growth, like my eyes are watering, (laughs) like makes me want to cry. It's really, really cool stuff. And I'm not like pushing or forcing myself to do anything. I'm just focusing on how I feel and what impact I want to have. So this year I took it a little bit further and I I basically sat down and said, what are the themes in all of these different categories? Like what what's the trend in what I'm trying to do and become and create in this year, in this life? And what I came up with was basically three main categories, well, four, but I'll share both, but there were three main 
like really, really juicy, resonating things that I was like, oh, this is where all of this stuff falls into place. Like these are the overarching principles or core beliefs that I, I really want to focus on. So the first one was sacred space. The second one was conscious consumerism. And the third one was deeply connected to myself and the world around me. So these three things like hit home for me. I was like, oh my God, if I focus on these three things and act from these places, in addition to my core desired feelings, like I, I can't even imagine what's possible. It, so it felt really, really good. And like, I just knew that those three phrases were it. I'm like, okay, that's my focus. I'm just going to come back to those every time. I'm not going to get hung up in the task or the to-dos. I'm just going to make sure they, anything I do comes back to core desired feelings and 2019 intentions. Because I didn't really have another name for these. They're just the overarching intentions in me. So um, the fourth one that came out of that was, and this one kind of fit into every single every single one, and that's why I kind of left it out in the beginning, but it was daily habits and being. So through my daily habits and being, I can have a sacred space, I can act more from conscious consumerism, and I can act toward being deeper connected. <laughs> I'm like not wording this well at all. I can become more deeply connected to myself and the world around me. So daily habits and being was the daily thing in my mind where I was like, okay, daily habits. What am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I saying? And letting those three overarching things be the focus and my daily habits and being kind of being like the channel in which I'm acting. So those were kind of the intentions and goals and my core desired feelings. And then I did another exercise and I'm, I don't know where it came from. I, I can't credit it because I'm not quite sure. If I remember, I will share with you all. But it was basically just like a core values exercise. And I think having core values is essential to being in integrity and in alignment with what you believe in. You need core values and you need to know them. Um, but it takes time and, you know, words. One thing for all of this is to... Think of all the words and like feelings and intentions you want to create and then get into a, um, a thesaurus and look at the synonyms for each of these words and you'll start kind of like mind mapping off until like you land on the right word that feels good. So that's what I do. I, I brain dump everything and then I refine based on dictionaries and definitions and all of that. But um so I came up with my core values, and this was during the same time that I was desire mapping. So on New Year's Day or whatever this year, I also did this exercise. So it, it kind of fell into this entire goals and intention desire mapping process that I was going through. But basically what I came up with was that my core values were community, integrity, intuition, personal growth, and pleasure. And those five things were like the five things that I value, believe in, and I will not budge on, and I will stand firm in those five things and how that how I want to feel within those five things. So again, community, integrity, intention, personal growth, and pleasure. So having these things, my core desired feelings, my intentions and goals, and then my core values, I felt really, really inspired and grounded. And like I created a really nice foundation for this year. So we're almost through this year now and I'm feeling really good. I'll share some stories in a few minutes. But um, along with that, I also kind of laid out what I'm done with, which is just as powerful as how you want to feel and what you're going to do. But what are you not going to do? Like, what are you going to stop doing? Having a stop doing list and a not working list weekly is insanely empowering and super effective. So if you, another Danielle Laporte plug, I swear I'm not like affiliated or being paid or anything. I, I just adore her work. Um, she has the Desire Map Planner 
And it's it's basically taking all of your work that you do through desire mapping and helping you stay on track throughout the year. So it's like an actual planner with your day and your agenda and your schedule, but then it has beautiful prompts and questions and monthly reflections where you can kind of like tie this all together and keep the momentum going throughout the year. So I think she's actually, what's today? November 9th. I think until tomorrow through the 10th, she's offering free shipping on Desire Map Planner. So if you order one by Sunday night, November 10th, which that's kind of a timely reference if you listen to this later, but um, I think she's doing free shipping. So, and she always has great deals and her work is worth every penny. So you, like, don't worry about a discount. It will pay pay you back in tenfolds of what this stuff does for you. So I'm a strong believer, clearly. Um, but with with all of the things that I wanted to do and feel, I also came up with a done with list. Like, what am I absolutely done with? I'm I'm tired of right, and it's going to take it's going to take progress and work, and <laughs> I'll never fully be done with these things probably. But putting my focus on the fact that I am no longer going to feed them or let them consume my mind was really important to me. So I said that I was done with guilt, shame, doubt, self-deprecation, fear, what they quote-unquote think, waiting, procrastinating, and wanting and not doing. So something that I've noticed in myself over the past year is this like wanting, thinking, and not doing thing. <laughs> Where like I overthink so much about a thing or over-research or over-plan or think about something so much that then I don't act on it and I'm I'm getting better at it but it's a really odd thing that I've found in myself where I see myself as like a go-getter and I I'm really productive and get stuff done but I get really really stuck in my wheel of thought a lot of the times and it's a deeper conversation but it's something that I'm done with I'm done overthinking and not doing so now that I'm aware of that, I can start to improve and get better and notice when I'm doing that and ask myself why I'm doing that or what's going on and notice my trends and my habits around that. So I did. I also added a done with section with all of my other great stuff. Um, and then of course I, I wrote in the 2019 like there's like a yearly planning and intention setting section at the beginning of the planner where you can like lay out all of this stuff on one page for a year so you can like reference it easily all the time. And I basically put together some like habits and rituals that I wanted to focus on. And I haven't done them all and a lot of them have fallen to the wayside. But I do really well with daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, biannually, and like annually. Like I like to see the whole year in review all the way down to the daily habits. Because honestly, like our daily habits are what's going to make one year from now what it is. It's not the setting the one intention for the next year and just thinking about it. It's what we're doing and thinking and saying every single day that is going to shape our future. So I kind of broke down some different daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, biannually, <laughs> annually, that's a lot of stuff, um, habits and rituals that I wanted to focus on. So for example, daily habits that are very important to me are gratitude, going outside, sweating, stillness, writing, conscious consumerism, and reading. So those seven things are things that I want to do every single day because they help me feel the way that I want to feel, they are good for me, I I need these things in order to thrive, and I know that. So those are some of the daily things. Um, weekly things were weekly reflection. So in the Desire Map Planner, there's a weekly reflection section after each week where you can kind of dive into what did I do this week? What should I stop doing this week? What's not working? What am I grateful for? Etc. Etc. So I love weekly reflections because they're they're close enough in time, like every seven days, to keep me on track, 
but it's not like checking in every single day and beating myself up if I didn't sweat or go for a walk or write. Like, daily check-ins are kind of, well, they're very restrictive for me. So I try to just focus on the week overview of how many times did I move my body? Oh, not very much? That doesn't feel great. Next week, I'll do more, or whatever the case may be. So I like weekly reflections a lot. And then also in the weekly bucket, we have a family meeting. So we are a family of two and one critter. But uh, Chandler and I both decided a long time ago that it was very important for us to set aside specific time to meet as a family, as a unit, as partners, and talk about money, food, what's on our mind, what's working, what's not working, and what's coming up. Basically like a, a co-creative meeting. Family meeting sounds so official, It's but it's our family meeting. I love it. Um, yeah, so we do that. Um, and then monthly, I, I do a monthly check-in. So seeing, seeing the difference between a month that felt like it got away from me versus a month that felt really long and good and juicy has been all about my daily habits and weekly check-ins. So within my monthly check-ins and reflections, I can start to see like, oh man, I got really distracted this month. It flew by, it felt crazy. And that's because I wasn't focused on my daily habits. So I, I like reflecting a lot, clearly. Um, I think it's really interesting to just know myself and know my habits and know how to work with my ebbs and flows, which the whole last episode that I recorded was uh, tuning into your cyclic nature, which I dive into a lot of this flow stuff in that episode. So check that out if you want to hear me talk more about my ebbs and flows. Um, And then quarterly, I wanted to make sure that we went off the grid quarterly and like I evaluated my business goals. Um, Yeah. And then like twice a year, go home. So be with my family and travel. So those are two separate things. I wanted to make sure that we were traveling to new places and getting new experiences and traveling home to connect with family. So both very important to me, but different things. So yeah, like that's a long-winded overview of kind of how I approach my days, weeks, months, and year. But ultimately what it comes down to is when things are feeling stuck or stagnant or stressful or however things are feeling, maybe they're feeling great, or you're just uncertain of what to do next, I always keep a little list of questions that I ask myself in like the front of my journal and in the front of my planner. So I go through a lot of journals and every new journal I start, I start writing down my little list of inquiry questions. And from there, I like check in with myself all the time. So if I'm feeling stagnant or stuck or stressed out or whatever, I come back to my questions that I know work for me and they change a lot. But um, a few of those questions are, how does it feel? So when you're feeling stuck or uncertain or you're about to make a decision and you're not quite sure, just ask yourself, how does it feel? That is a really good true north on the compass to come back to. And then on top of that, depending on what's on your mind, you might ask, is it useful? So how does it feel? And is it useful to you or to whatever the cause is that you're focused on? Another phrase that I like to keep in my back pocket, back in my journal, is accumulate shitty reps. So I heard Chandler say this to one of his clients one time, and it's kind of like an idea that he has, and I admire him a lot because he is tenacious and he does not give up. Like He has built his business from nothing, and it's just really admirable. So he has the idea of accumulate shitty reps. And for a long time, I was like, oh yeah, thinking about accumulating shitty reps And I would think about it all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's all I have to do to get better and practice. And then I noticed myself thinking about accumulating shitty reps. 
And I was like, oh yeah, I actually have to accumulate the shitty reps. So I think it, I think that phrase is a really funny and playful way of noticing when I get stuck in my head. So those are some things you can ask yourself. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my overview. I want to dig into the three intentions that I set this year and just talk about those a little bit because they are ultimately why I wanted to record this episode. So yeah, let's dive in. Sacred space. What this means to me is my home, my space, myself, and how I'm treating it. So like I mentioned a little bit ago, Chandler and I are not the tidiest of people. We're not like slobs or anything. We're not insanely messy, but we both are very aware of like our messiness, <laughs> lack of tidying up every day, I guess. I don't know, our kitchen's always clean and um, some certain spaces in the house are always clean, but like we have a tendency to kind of like leave clothes on the floor and not make the bed. Like little stuff where I'm like, ooh, I would love to have a made bed every day. Why don't I do that? So yeah, just little stuff that I noticed, but sacred space came up in my yearly thoughts because we were living in we were living in a house in Louisville that we we inherited not inherited okay so a couple of years ago gosh four five years ago I was living in an apartment with my best friend Ashley and our lease was coming up she was engaged And we were kind of like separating, right? Like going our own ways, not separating. We would never separate. Although we live in different states right now. But anyway, um, so we were both planning to like end that lease and do something else. So my friend Maria, her roommate had just moved out and she had an open room and she was like, move in with me. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. She lived in a beautiful old house in Louisville on like a quiet old tree street in a really cool neighborhood and it felt like a hell yes. So I moved in with Maria. We lived in that house for a while together and then I met Chandler and he lived in Cincinnati. I lived in Louisville. So we basically for like the first year commuted back and forth and stayed in each other's cities. And it was fun and like it was cool like living in between cities and you know whatever. But we both kind of came down to the point where we were like, it would be nice to be like settled in one place together and not be going back and forth and packing bags every few days. And we we wanted something more stable. So around that time, Maria was considering moving to Chicago and getting a job up there and her boyfriend was up there. So it kind of all started falling into place where Chandler moved down to Louisville Maria moved up to Chicago, and we lived in that house that she and her old roommate originally picked out. Um, It's a beautiful house. It was was fun living there. Like, I liked that place a lot, but at one point, Chandler and I both realized, like, we didn't pick this house. Like, we didn't pick to live here specifically for us. Like, it all just kind of dominoed into each other, but... um, we had the odd realization of like, we didn't pick this place, how strange, and we live here and it's nice, but it'd be nice to like pick out a place together that feels like us. So we started just thinking about where would we want to live next? Where where do we want to move? What type of house do we want? Etc, etc. So whenever it was last November, last December, end of last December. I don't, I don't remember, honestly. Whenever we decided we were moving to Seattle, um, we kind of started thinking about, okay, well, we're moving, so what do we want in a house? What does our dream place look like, feel like? Uh, how does it make us feel? So we sat down one day, and I basically was just writing down everything that we wanted, 
And I kid you not, I was just flipping through this journal a few months ago and found exactly what we wrote that we wanted in our next place. And this house that we live in has every single one of those things. Like, we didn't create a wish list and carry it around with us checking things off. We did a one-off conversation about what we wanted, and <laughs> lo and behold, here we are. So we put it out there in the world, we stated what we wanted, and we didn't force it, and we didn't make it a big deal. Like, I trusted that we would find the perfect place whenever we found the perfect place, and it would all work out. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I actually have two funny stories to go along with that. So while we were house hunting or looking for a place to live in Seattle, um, we were out here in April for two weeks and we were looking at a bunch of places and it's really different than the Louisville market. Like it's really hard to find a place here and like go to open houses and fill out all the applications and it's very competitive, which of course it is. It's a bigger, hot city. But that was new to us, and it was a little weird to have to go to, like, weird open houses and stuff. Where in Louisville, you can just call the landlord, go see the place, and it's yours, basically. So during our Louisville living, whenever we lived in Louisville, we were looking at Zillow a lot. And I was obsessed with Zillow, actually. I was kind of driving myself mad to the point where I was just like, I've got to turn this off for a while until we get out to Seattle and start looking at places. I can't deal with all of these notifications. It's very stressful. And I didn't want to pick a home without seeing it. So that's why we did all of our like searching and like looking when we were here in April. But um, I came home one night after hanging out with my mom or a friend or something. And Chandler was sitting on the couch and he was like, I found our house. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? I've been searching for weeks and weeks and looking at all the notifications and have this really particular criteria and filtering system. And he was like, oh, no, I found it. I was just, you know, looking and found our house. And I, I was kind of resentful. I was like, okay, show me. But also, like, what I've been searching. <laughs> so <laughs> he showed me the house. And I was like, holy shit. I don't even know how that house is possible, but that house is amazing. Like, what the hell? Um, so it took me a few days to come around to loving this house. I kept looking at the listing, and Chandler just kept calling it our house. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know. And, like, I had this weird resistance around it, right? Because I didn't find it, because I thought it was too expensive. Whatever the case may be, I was really resistant. So one day I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to make a little picture collage of all the house or all of the pictures of the house, print it off and put it on the fridge. And that's our house. And I'm just I'm okay with it. And I, you guys, I was more than okay with it. This house was like it's not the house we're living in now. But this house was a dream. Like <laughs> this place was so unreal. And I I was like, "You know what? Yeah, why why don't I want that? Like of course we if we get that house, then that's our house. So anyway, that was months before we came out here and, you know, we're living here and stuff. And um, we finally got out here. We viewed the house. It was phenomenal and terrifyingly perfect. And there was literally one it had a view of Lake Union and then also a view of Mount Rainier, which I'm obsessed with, if you haven't noticed. And this house was just amazing. So we applied for it. We got approved. Everything was smooth sailing. And then we found some weird reviews about the owner online. So um, this is a long story. I don't know why I'm telling you all, all of this, but I think it's really funny because we found these crazy reviews about the woman who owned this house and basically said, like, she is psychotic. She'll steal your money. She'll show up unannounced and peer through your windows and all this crazy stuff. And we were like, whoa, 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 <laughs> no, I don't want that. That sounds terrifying and dramatic. So we are very anti-drama in our house. There's no drama ever, and we do not want that type of stuff happening. So we were like, well, we need a plan B. What do we do? 
So we found this other equally incredible house. We went and looked at it. We applied for it. We got approved. And it had an electrical fire. <laughs> so the people who were living in it at that moment, I guess, caught the house on fire. I don't know. Whatever. The house caught on fire. So then we couldn't... <laughs> We couldn't move in there. So our first option that we practically manifested was ripped away from us due to a psychotic owner because that's not worth it to us. But um, the second one caught on fire. And then the third place we found, which we looked at like two days before we headed back to Louisville, we were like, crap, if this isn't it, then we're going to have to pick out a house without ever seeing it. And I really, really didn't want that. Um so we came here, we looked at it, we both looked at each other and we were like, yep, okay, here we are. Like, this is it. This place is beautiful. It's got natural light, concrete floors, upstairs, two and a half bathrooms, a whole, like, it had more space than we needed and was in the neighborhood that I really wanted to be in. So the neighborhood was huge for me because I've never lived in another city and I didn't want to settle on where I was living. So... We're in the place we're in now, and that brings me full circle to the journal thing that I did where I, like, wrote down everything that we wanted, and every single thing that we wanted at the beginning of 2019, sitting in our Louisville home, is in this house. Like, it is this house. Every single item that I listed that we both kind of wanted, is like, we got it, and it's here, and, like... It's not what we thought it would be. We thought it would be that house that I, the crazy dreamy house that I printed off and put on the fridge, and it wasn't, and everything's even better than it could have been. So you can set all of these crazy goals and intentions and really set your sights on a thing, and sometimes it still changes, and it is so much more for the better. Like, there's just no way to see it unless you reflect a lot and you look back on what you wanted versus what you got. So that's my sacred space story of knowing what you want and holding what is sacred to you within your space and your environment because your environment is a huge piece of your health, your wellness, your relationships, and yourself. So sacred space. Another point about sacred space, I was journaling sometime in the middle of this year and I was talking about, like, talking, I was writing and thinking about all of these intentions that I set, the three of them, and something in me was like, sacred space, that includes body too. And it dawned on me that I was seeing sacred space as this external thing, like, of my home, my car, and, like, the space in which I'm habitating? I almost said that wrong. Um, and it dawned on me that sacred space also means to me body, like my body, my sacred vehicle in which I am literally in, embodied. Um, so it was a really cool realization of, oh yes, and myself as sacred space. So that feeds into what I'm consuming and what I'm thinking and what I'm doing and how I'm feeling and what I think of myself and my self-image and my self-worth and all of that stuff fell into this bucket of sacred space that I hadn't originally intended and I realized it later. So trust the little hunches that you have about what you're aiming for and be open to them changing or adapting or growing or holding more than what you thought they would. Conscious consumerism was and is a very important intention that I set earlier this year. And it's this phrase or this two word phrase has helped me a lot with coming back to what I'm trying to do, what impact I'm trying to have, how my choices are affecting the world around me and my household. And yeah, conscious consumerism. So at the beginning of this year, I wanted to make some changes in order to be a more conscious consumer, but also for my health and for, for the life that I live and the privilege that I hold, 
I want to make sure that I'm making the choices as best as I can with the, that have the least negative impact, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like I want to, I know that I am capable and able of recycling and being aware of what I'm buying. And there's no reason for me not to do that as best as I can every single day. So the beginning of this year, I, I don't know what it was, but like, I had this idea of ditching paper towels, like going paper towelless. One, because I used to use a lot of paper towels and I, I don't know why, like I was buying a lot of them. I like to like clean up and wipe the counters off and clean the bathrooms and like all of that requires a lot of paper towels in my mind. So <laughs> I, I had the idea where I was like, I want to go paper towelless. And Chandler was like, great, sounds good to me, like, cool. Like, he's just, like, all for it. I'm like, okay, great. This is going to be really good. And we were watching our god dog, Feller, one night. And I basically, like, we gave him a towel, like, just a bath towel, and let him basically shred it up. And from that, like, I washed it and whatnot. But then we cut it up into little squares, and that was our beginning of our paper towel list journey. We used an old bath towel that we chopped up into little pieces and used it as napkins, paper towels, cloth towels, I guess. But from this, I realized that I was buying a lot of paper towels. They all came wrapped in plastic, which then I have to get rid of the plastic. They all come on the cardboard roll. So then I have this cardboard, cardboard roll I have to dispose of. I have the plastic in which it's wrapped in that I have to get rid of. I'm going to the store and buying this stuff all the time, which takes my time and money and energy and all of that. So that was my first step where I was like, no more paper towels. Um, I do keep one roll on hand that lasted until like last week, like the entire year, because I do have a critter and I like lined the bottom of her cage with paper towels, just four of them. So that was one thing where I was like, well, I have to line Penny's cage with something. I don't really want to use a towel because she pees and poops and gets food everywhere and she's quite messy. But Anyway, so I did keep some paper towels around, but I stopped using them excessively like I had been. And the change for me was really cool. Like I, I noticed my consumption habits with cleaning and shopping and how I would like go for paper towels to dry my hands and stuff and realizing that I can use a towel. And I, I don't know, it was just really cool for me. It's not really a huge thing. And a lot of people are like, you don't use paper towels, what? But to me, it was a really cool first step in being conscious with my consumption. Um, another thing that I've been focused on is eliminating plastic or minimizing plastic. So uh, I don't want to say it's impossible to eliminate plastic, but it's impossible to eliminate plastic. <laughs> like, I don't know how some people do it, there is plastic everywhere and on everything and it's actually terrifying when you start paying attention to it. It's like when you start reading ingredient labels on food for the first time and you realize how much crap is in everything, like that's how plastic feels. It's everywhere. So this year I've been really, really conscious of my plastic consumption habits and how I can minimize that as much as possible. Granted, I've I am not perfect. It is really, really hard to buy everything without it being in plastic. But I've done a lot better and I'm doing a lot better. Um, I'm not like weighing or measuring or like quantifying this effort in any way. But just being at the store and seeing something in glass versus plastic, I immediately go for the glass. Like I'm not even playing around with taking the cheap way out. I'll pay an extra dollar. Like I don't for me, I can do that, and I'm grateful I can do that, but it really matters to me. So I've also ditched a lot of my cosmetic and beauty products, and I've gone either, like, Lush has a, I did a whole episode about natural beauty um, and clean beauty, but um, Lush has a lot of, like, shampoo bars and different things that don't come in packaging. So I've done a lot of using the products that I've had and not replacing them with the same product again, but finding a different option that is less wasteful. So that's been really cool. 
um, going, like, we don't, in Louisville, we went to the grocery, several grocery stores, several times a week. Like, we were going to the grocery all the time. I felt like we didn't have any other time to do, like, cooking and meal prep and stuff because we were always at the grocery. And I don't know why that was the case. It might have just been my habits and also, like, where the grocery stores were located and the lack of grocery delivery and stuff. But since moving to Seattle, I've signed up for Imperfect Produce, which eliminates food waste by selling me the ugly produce and the short-coated items and the repackaged items and stuff. And that comes to my house every week. I get to customize the box, so I'm saving on my gas and my time. I'm saving money by buying ugly, quote-unquote, fruits and veggies, and I'm helping the food industry not be so wasteful. So that's been a really cool thing that I'm obsessed with. If you have, I think it's now called Imperfect Foods because they've added in more foods besides produce. But if you have Imperfect in your city, sign up. Like, it is the coolest, most wonderful offering that I could ever dream of. So that's another way I've been a conscious consumer is really sitting down and buying from them versus going to the grocery store all the time and buying a bunch of stuff and letting it waste and all of the bad habits that I used to have. I still have bad habits, don't get me wrong, but in this arena, I'm getting a lot better. So yeah, I stopped buying stuff that I didn't really need and didn't really desire. Like on the other end of this, I have a tendency to when I want something and I feel it and like it's it, I buy it. Like, I bought this. <laughs> I do not buy, like, I don't, mm, I don't know, actually. I was about to say, I don't buy a lot of, like, expensive clothes and stuff, but I don't know if that's true. I'm just very selective with what I buy because I'm pretty picky. But one day I saw this yoga outfit that was, like, mermaid, blue, iridescent, shiny, whatever it is. I don't know. And I immediately bought it. I was like, I don't care how much this is. I need this. So I have a very desire-driven consumerism as well, where like if something like pulls at my heart, I'm like, oh shit, I have to have that. Um, but I'm also mindful and I don't do that a lot. So I'm human, you guys. I am oh so human. Oh, and another thing that I started being more mindful of was my like electric and water consumption, right? So a long time ago, I, th I think when I was young, my dad used to always say, you all leave all the lights on, turn the lights off. It, we used to tease him because he'd always be like, all of the lights are on. And we we're like, oh, daddy, haha. -ha. And now I realize like, oh, shit, <laughs> electricity consumption, like electricity is not free. It doesn't come out of the ceiling and it's not magic. Like, it comes from somewhere. So, I, I made the decision to be more mindful of leaving lights on, leaving things plugged in, etc. And I think I've mastered that one. Like, I'm killing it. I know how to turn my lights off. I'm a grown-up. But I'm certainly trying not to waste any electricity and stuff like that. Um, and then water is the same way. Water doesn't come from this magical well somewhere. Like, we have all of the water that we will ever have on the earth. Like, there's not more water. I guess maybe someone in a lab can make some... I don't know. I'm not a chemist or anything like that. I'm taking a few chemistry classes. But um, we have all the water that we have on the earth. So being mindful of our consumption with that, I think, is crucial. And when I was in El Salvador in February, it was dry season and the girls kind of told us like, hey, if we run out of water, we run out of water. Like there's not more. So take short showers, like be mindful, pay attention to how much water you're using because it's different here. And I can't remember which day it was, but about halfway through the trip, like we ran out of water for hours. I don't I don't know how it came back. I didn't ask about the logistics, but we ran out of water. So that put it in perspective to me that 
holy shit, we have in endless, we have basically unlimited water at our fingertips based on where we live and our lives and etc. But like for me, my water works. I turn the thing on and it comes out. I can take showers and baths and do all of the water related things in my house and I don't think I'm going to run out. Like run out. Like it's always going to be there and water is something that I will never take for granted and it's an invaluable resource. I mean, hello, we need water to live. But I remember one day, it was a couple of years ago, I was standing in the shower and I just started crying <laughs> because like I, I was in awe of the fact that I was like standing in the shower underwater and like it was just there. I don't know. So this hit me a long time ago, like this deep appreciation for water. But I think we can all be more mindful of our water consumption always because it's really easy to like leave the water running and run off real quick while you're brushing your teeth. Um, yeah. So water, electricity, all of the things that feel like they're magical and just there, they're resources and we should appreciate them. So the last one I want to talk about is deeply connected. For me, this meant deeply connected to myself, deeply connected to others, and deeply connected to the earth. So deeply connected was this bigger bucket of more intentional and heartfelt, heart-centered living. Um, I didn't put a strict definition on it. I, I just feel it. I feel and I yearn for deep connection. So this, this is a main focus for me and it probably always will be, but it was something that I really, really wanted to focus on this year and get better at and set my aim on. So to me, Deeply Connected has helped me have more intentional and meaningful conversations. It has helped me become more in tune with myself and my needs and my desires. So, and by it, I mean this intention, this intention of being deeply connected, um, as opposed to having one-off boring, boring, one-off shallow conversations about the weather or whatever. I've worked toward asking about how are you and how are you feeling and What's going on right now? What's on your mind? Um, trying to connect in a different way than, hey, how are ya? And then the other person replies, I'm great, how are you? And it's like, are you great? You don't have to be great. Um, so just trying to be more intentional with the way I connect with people in order to humanize the connection of we are all the same and we are all here together. And it's okay to be however you are in that moment and feel however you're feeling in that moment. Um, yeah. Deeply connected. Deeply connected to Earth is huge to me because, well, look at, I can't even, like, look at the Earth, you guys. It's amazing. It is so freaking cool. And all of the elements that exist, like, a lot of them exist in us as humans and on the earth like and by elements I mean like the periodic table the thing from science class we are of the same stuff as the earth the same elements like if you don't love the earth and you know that like you don't love humanity <laughs> you don't love people it just blows my mind um and yeah, sure, like, we're all happy we live here and, like, have oxygen and gravity and whatnot, but to be deeply connected to Earth, to me, means gratitude and appreciation and stillness and touching the Earth, like, putting your hands on the ground and your bare feet on the ground, literally hugging trees, like, wrap your arms around a fat-ass tree <laughs> or a little one, but, like, Oh, we have some huge trees that, like around here in Washington. And I look at Chandler while we're driving and I'm like, I need you to pull over. I like want to wrap my arms around that tree so 
bad. They're so big and beautiful and mighty and... Ugh, I love them. But the earth, the ocean... Like I mentioned, I went to El Salvador in February and a big component of the trip was surf. And <laughs> I have never surfed. I don't even know what surf means in my head at that time. And I dove right in and I was like, sure, yeah, let's surf. I'm terrified of going underwater. I'm terrified of drowning, honestly. And I went, I did it, I surfed, I stood up, and I got pummeled by waves. And feeling the power of the ocean and like being thrown around. <laughs> I busted my lip one day because um, I didn't cover my head like I should have and whatever. Um, feeling the power of the earth and the ocean and the elements was like, it, it's invaluable. It was so insanely priceless. And that was just one experience this year that really helped me connect with earth and Mother Nature, and the elements. Um, yeah, so I like being barefoot outside on the ground, and I like going off the grid, and these things really help me connect more to my surroundings and the natural world. So, yeah. Sacred space, conscious consumerism, deeply connected, all of this being a focus of my life, but through my daily habits and being, doing better at these things every day. Yeah, so my piece of advice, if you want it, if there's a piece of advice to come out of this, is pay attention to what you want and how you feel and how you might make that your reality. Because all of the work that I have done has led me to right here. I am not perfect. And I don't always get it right, but I would never, ever let that stop me from keeping my goals and intentions front and center. Like, my house is messy. It gets messy. My consumption habits sway. I'm not, like, number one eco-friendly person, and I'm not anti-eco-friendly, so <laughs> I'm a work in progress. I get caught up with the stories in my head and, like, don't foster connection in the ways that I want to. 24-7, sometimes I opt for the surface level, like, hi, how are ya? And I notice it, and I notice it's because I'm tired or feel disconnected or need to reconnect. These intentions are my foundations that are where I come from and what I come back to. So, like I said earlier, it's like a compass. When I need direction, I know where I'm going, and I always know where north is. So, what is your north? Where are you heading? I know that it will, and should, for lack of a better word, change. It will adjust and adapt and improve with your growth and your improving state. There's no ultimate state of conscious consumerism or having sacred space or being in relation with sacred space. I'm not looking to arrive anywhere in particular. And I hope you're not either, because if you've learned one thing from my house hunting story is that you can want something and manifest something into existence and it still changes, and it's so good. With my aim on specific intentions, I know what's important and what matters most to me. With that aim, I take action and I ultimately have an impact. So I hope you can find the same. While this isn't my entire reflection on my goals and intentions for the year, it's a big piece of it, and I hope it helps you understand where I come from when I talk about goals and intentions. I'm not talking about basic goals or surface-level goals or whatever goal-setting thing you might be familiar with. I'm talking about an entire way of living and thinking about your life to live with more desire and peace and ease and freedom and love and happiness and rootedness, being rooted where you are and knowing where you are and appreciating that. Like I said in the beginning, I will be 
doing my 2019 reflection in December, um, I usually write about this or make a video or something. I might just do a podcast episode if it's if I come up with any big insights after this podcast. I don't want to just keep throwing my goals and intentions at you. I'd rather you dive into your own work and see what you can come up with for yourself. But with my annual reflection, I invite you to do the same. So I'll be sharing my free 2019 guide in December. That is basically my process for reflecting on a year and determining how I want to feel in the coming year. So it's a free guide. I share it every year. Um, I think it's helpful. I've got a few people who are like, I can't wait for <laughs> your reflection guide. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. So if you want that, um, all you have to do is go to my website and sign up to receive my emails and you'll see it come through in December. And as always, the show notes for this episode can be found on my website at hayleyheishman.com backslash podcast. And if you have any thoughts or questions about this episode or goals and intentions, you can email me, message me, DM me. I'm here for you. I'm always here for you. And I hope you remember that it's all fluid. It's all ever-changing. And it is so, so powerful when you decide to make your life what you want instead of just letting life happen to you. I hope you have a wonderful week. I will talk with you next week.